This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. And it's good to be in the Lord's house today. Well, you have your Bibles right now in the book of Ephesians. And I want to call your attention to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to read for you as as we have been reading uh, for the last several Sundays. We begin in verse 10 and our message today is in verse number 16. So let's read together these verses in chapter 6, 10 through 16. The Apostle Paul is writing and he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I want to emphasize something very carefully here. This is something that Paul is giving to us with strict admonishment. He is saying, you put it on. Put on the whole armor of God. I'm going to reiterate that at the end of the message today, but this is something that you need to understand. God's not going to put the armor on for you. He's instructed all of us to put it on. And he says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Have you ever had to do that? I have. And in just a few moments, I'm going to share with you an unbelievable true story. In verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's where we left off last Sunday and now today's message in verse number 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I trust that in this series, you have been learning something, something God has brought to you in the way of spiritual enlightenment that has encouraged your heart, that has perked you up a little bit, that has given you an extra encouraging boost, so to speak, of how to fine tune not only your personal life, but things that are going on in your home and family. Now, up until now, these particular passages of scripture, the apostle Paul is saying, put this on and put this on and put this on. But now we get to verse number 16 and it's not about putting on, it's about taking up. And that shifts the responsibility in the conversation greatly. And as I have mentioned many times thus far, every single piece of armor that is mentioned And the whole armor of God is very important. It's critical if we're going to win spiritual warfare in our life. So let me ask you a soul-searching question this morning. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or stand up and testify. I just want you to search your heart today. Let me ask you, how are you doing spiritually? When it comes to spiritual attacks in your life, How are you doing? And really be honest about that. Some of you that are watching and are here today, you might say, well, I feel like, preacher, that I'm just going through the motions right now. 
And there are seasons in life where we do that. The word says to everything there is a season. And sometimes we do get in a season where we find ourselves not as close to God as we were or where we ought to be. Sometimes we find ourselves in a season drifting away from him. And sometimes we find ourselves in this kind of rut where we're just going through the motions. Maybe somebody would say today in this evaluation, well, pastor, with everything else that I have going on in my life, I really don't have time for the Lord. I really do not have time to build a relationship with him. I'm just trying to wing it myself the best way that I can. Well, pastor, I feel like that I have a balance of good days and bad days. Well, let me say this. It's my goal in this series to help you, help all of you to find the positive means for a spiritual victory in your life, to have a more positive outcome in these daily struggles that you might be facing, especially for you and your family. And I want you to keep in mind something that the enemy, the devil, is sincerely after you and after your family. If the devil had his way in your home today, he would not only try to dismantle you to get you disenfranchised with the word of God, but if the devil had his way, listen, with your home, he wants to disrupt your home, he wants to divide your home, and if he could, he would like to dissolve your home. Now you think about that, not just some of the time, but according to the word of God, the Bible says that the devil's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and that's a routine with him. He's always looking for every single nook and cranny that he possibly can weasel his way in. And so I don't want you to underestimate the devil. The devil is very real. The devil is very real on this earth, and he has demons everywhere. Please do not underestimate that. Now, I want to shift to another passage of Scripture this morning because it's imperative that you see this in order that I might share with you the things that I want to share this morning. Turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, if you will. They will get these Scriptures on the screen. But this is another important scripture that goes hand in hand of what we're talking about. In Matthew chapter 17, and I want you to look beginning at verse number 14. And by the way, let me say this. When you read the scriptures, understand that this is not just a book of information. This is not just a book of stories. Everything that's in the word of God, the Bible says, has been given to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is a God-breathed book. This is a reflection of God himself. Everything in this Bible is true. These stories really happened. And the word says that they happened. These stories are given to us for examples that we in these days, you remember what Jesus said to Thomas? He said, blessed are those who, who believe. And you believe and you've seen me, but blessed are those who have not seen me and believe. None of us have lived through these stories all we have is these preachers, these prophets, uh, the, the speakers of the word of God to give it to us. And by faith, we believe it. This is the word of God. This is true. So when I read a story like this, believe me, it is true. In Matthew 17, verse number 14, the word says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic. 
and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples. Look at this now. And they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, look at that. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed. Notice that, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now in this story, and I hope and pray that you have followed it very carefully, in this particular story, Jesus is addressing a serious question from his disciples. The question comes in verse 19, then came to the disciples to Jesus apart and said, so here's what's happening. When this man brought his son to Jesus, he was now coming with the last hope because he had first brought his son to the disciples. And when he brought his son to the disciples and he had heard about these disciples, how the Lord was with them and how they were touching people and miracles were taking place. And so this man had a son who was demon possessed. This is what this is about. He was demon possessed and he brought his son to the disciples and Peter, James and John and the rest of them. He brought his son to the disciples and said, my son is demon possessed. He's acting like a lunatic. He's throwing himself in the fire and he, he's doing all of these things. There's no doubt in my mind that the devil is controlling him. Please help him. And I can see now the disciples saying, yes, yes. And so they're stretching out his hands and they're praying, but to no avail, nothing happens. This man's son was not delivered. And so Jesus now is making his way into the sea, and he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I need you to help me. I've gone to your disciples and they cannot help me and I need you to touch my son. And so to make a long story short, Jesus touched the son and he rebuked the devil and the devil fled. The son was delivered. And when that setting was all over, these disciples came to Jesus privately, away from the crowd. And when they were in their own inner circle, they said, Lord, why couldn't we do this? We've done this before in the past. Why could not we do this? And Jesus gave the answer in verse 20. Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith, look at this, as a grain of mustard seed, Ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Jesus said, the reason why you could not do this is because for this moment you had unbelief. Or Jesus was saying, because right now, this moment, you have a lack of faith. 
And that was all pointing to the lack of faith where they were recognizing that in this moment they were totally dependent on the Lord. Now, the mustard seed, have you ever seen one? Have you ever seen a mustard seed? Well, if those of you that plant gardens, and if you've ever planted a row of carrots, you've opened the pack of seeds, you've seen how small a carrot seed is. You can hurt. I don't know how people successfully do it. I've tried many times and I've not been able to do it. But a mustard seed is smaller than a carrot seed. It looks just like a speck of pepper, really, literally. And Jesus is saying this. If you had the faith, he's talking to Peter, James, and John in this particular moment. He said, if you had faith, if you had just enough faith, the grain of a mustard seed, Jesus said you could do amazing things. And when I got to reading that story and thinking about the series that we're in right now on how to fortify your family, I wonder how many people are living defeated lives because maybe they take a verse of scripture like this out of context. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Because if anybody reads this text and becomes really familiar with it, and they say, well, preacher, if that's all the faith that I need to win spiritual battles in this life, then I guess that I could probably somehow muster up the faith equivalent to the grain of a mustard seed. Maybe somebody reads a text like this and says, well, if that's all Jesus said, the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, I think I can squeeze out a grain. Or maybe somebody would say, I think that I can kick in a grain here and kick in a grain there. And if you have that philosophy, you will lose the spiritual battles of your life because some people think that all it takes is a little faith here and a little faith there. But I promise you in the end, you're going to come up losing more times than you can count. One of the most important things about today's message is this, faith is not a little thing. And I hope that you embrace that today. You cannot constantly confine your faith to the size of a grain of a mustard seed and expect to win the spiritual battles of your life. It's totally impossible. When Jesus was answering these disciples, he wasn't talking about the weak faith that they had within themselves about themselves. Jesus was talking about the weak faith that they had in him. Look in Matthew 17 verse 21 again. The Bible says this, this is important now. Jesus is speaking. He says, and he's talking about this young boy who was demon-possessed and the inability of these disciples to cast the demon out. And Jesus made a huge statement here. He said, in this particular situation, what we were faced with today, Jesus said, how be it this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting to who? This is devoted trust to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to think about this. Prayer and fasting is not a little thing. Have you ever had something that was overwhelming in your life that brought you down to the place of tears? Maybe it just rattled your world. You didn't know what was going to happen from one day to the next. Maybe not from one minute to the next. Have you ever dedicated yourself to fasting and prayer? Now think about this. I know 
some people that have invested some spiritual time in fasting and really praying before. I mean, there have been times here at the church where I've called for a 24-hour prayer meeting right here at this altar. Those are some of the sweetest things we do in our church. And I'm talking about where we start, and I put up a sign-up list in the lobby there, and it's from 8 o'clock one morning to 8 o'clock maybe the next morning, and literally where we have two-by-two people coming in here every hour on the hour praying for 24 hours. And I have seen God do. When we have done that, I have seen God do some incredible things. Well, we have prayed all day, all night, and into the morning, two-by-two. 24 hours of prayer. Prayer is a very powerful thing. I think it's the greatest resource that we have on this earth. Try sometimes to devote your life to praying and fasting. Maybe you don't know how to fast. That's that's important to know for me because I've taught that many times. Maybe I need to refresh that again with you. But try sometimes praying and fasting. You'll find out how big... Fasting really is when you discipline yourself to do it because you have to be. Jesus said this kind of thing goes not out but by prayer and fasting. And so when you're going through some type of spiritual battle, learn to pray and fast over your struggles. I'm going to share this one time. And only if God moves my heart to do it again would I dare do it. But what I'm about to tell you right now, make the hair stand up on you. And I want you to listen very carefully because, again, I I pray in Jesus' name that I, I would not find an occasion to share this again unless God would so move me to do so. Back in the summer, I got a frantic phone call from one of the ladies in our church still here. This family is a wonderful family. And they were going through the most devastating time of their life. What are we talking about? Fortifying your family. The devil's after your family. And in this frantic phone call, I was at my desk and I was working on a sermon. And the mother said to me, Pastor, is there any way that you can come to our house? There is no doubt in my mind that the devil has taken control over my son. And I pause just for a moment because, see, I believe the Bible to be true. I know how real the devil is. We don't serve a make-believe God. We don't, we don't deal with a make-believe devil. He's very real, just as real as God. Heaven is just as real as a place where you are right now. So is hell. This mother said to me in a panic way, she said, there's no doubt in my mind that the devil has taken control over my son. And I said, well, what is happening? And she said this. Now, I want to remind you, this is not an illustration. This is something very true. Happened in our church with a precious family in our church who is still in our church, who, by the way, is probably watching today. And she said to me, He's talking to demons in the house. He has wrote on his body the names of devils and demons. He's wrote 666 on his body. And he's wrote it all on his clothes. He's wrote the names of three demons he is in constant communication with on the ceiling of his bedroom. This situation preacher has got so far out of hand that 
we are frightened with our lives. We've had to take the doors off of the rooms in the house because he gets up in the middle of the night and just roams and we're terrified. He said to us that he was going to kill all of us in the family. He was then going to burn the house down and then kill himself. And she said, preacher, I have found the lighter and the knife under his pillow. And she said, this is far too gone. Can you come? I said, I'll be there right away. When I got into the house, she met me on the back deck and she said, preacher, this is really bad. We don't know what to do. And as I walked on to the deck, I said, well, where is he? She said, he's in the back room. And when you walk into the kitchen, I'll go get him. I knew before I got there what I was dealing with. I was dealing with a very real devil. When I walked into the kitchen area there, I stood by the door with my Bible in my hand and believe me, I prayed from from the church house to their house. And she went to get him. And when she brought him in, to the area where I was, he screamed to the top of his lungs. I don't know if you know what a triple C is on the piano, but it was far worse than a triple C on the piano. And he screamed with all of the intensity that he had within his body, 13 years old. With all the intensity in his body, he screamed this to me when he saw me. He said, get out of here. I hate you. I hate all Christians. Leave me alone. And his mother stepped in the hallway there because she knew he would try to get out of the area that we were in, and he pushed her. I, I noticed then the, the violent tendency that he had. He pushed her then, and he made his way to the bedroom. I knew instantly that I was dealing with Lucifer. And I walked to the entrance of his door, and his mother was there with me, and she was crying and shaking her head and She didn't know what to say and didn't know what to do and the two of us were standing there and I began to talk to him that I was there to help him. I wanted to pray with him. He put his hands over his ears and he began to go and he he would do all of these noises while I was talking the whole conversation. Finally, I said, I want you to know that you can be helped. Jesus can set you free. When I said that, He got out of his bed and he walked over to a barbell that he had on the table and very angrily and hostile, he said to me, I'm going to hurt you. And he took another step towards me with the barbell and he said, I'm going to kill you. And I said this to him with his mother standing right beside me. I said, you can't hurt me. You can't kill me. Jesus defeated you 
in the wilderness. Jesus defeated you on the cross. And the power of God is greater than you. He put the barbell down and he backed himself up in a corner between his bed and the window and just slid down to the floor. His mother stood in the hallway and I stood there and I said, there is no doubt in my mind. I said, you know yourself, this is, this is unbelievable. This boy is definitely possessed. And she said, can you help me? I said, not alone. All I would have to have done with that young man is to ask one question and it would have got on. When he was in his room holding that barbell at me and saying, I'm going to kill you, all I would have had to say was, what is your name? And then all hell would have broke loose. And so I wasn't about to do that by myself. So what I did, I, I told her, I said, listen, this is going to have to come through prayer and fasting. It's going to have to take place with other spiritual men besides just me. This is not something I want to do by myself. And so I got three spiritual men from our church. Two of them are here right now. And I gathered them in my office and I said, I've not talked to you much about things like this. I've not brought any things. I've had to deal with this a number of times in the ministry before. I said, but this is by far the most elevated situation I've ever had to deal with. And I said, I'm not about to deal with this by myself. And if you men feel uncomfortable about going with me and helping me with this. I understand that because what I'm going to ask you to do, I cannot tell you what's going to happen, but it's not going to be good. And I said, so if you men are willing to go, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make sure that you are totally right with God, that there's nothing in your life that would even make you ineligible to take communion. I want you to have everything right in your life and then we started talking about prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting. So we all agreed that we would pray. We would pray intently and we would fast. This was on a Tuesday night. And I told these men in my office, I said, listen, we're dealing with a very real devil that's come against this family, a real tangible, precious family that we have in our church and the devil has now invaded their home. They can't sleep at night. They, they've taken the doors off of their rooms. They have to sleep with one eye open. All of the things that are in his house are extremely uh, bad as far as the influence that's upon him. In fact, when they took him to a hospital, it had got so bad that uh, he wouldn't take these clothes off that he had all of these and signatures on and the things that he wrote. In fact, they had to sedate him and put handcuffs on him just to get the demon clothes off of his body. And I told the men, I said, listen very carefully. We're going to go in with the scriptures. We're going to go in after praying and fasting. And I said, there's no doubt in my mind because of his reaction to me when I walked in there by myself that this is not going to be good. And I said, so this is what I told the men. <clears throat> I said, listen, we're not going to restrain him. We're, we're not going to uh, put our hands on him, but this is what I want you to do. I, I had one of our men to sit at the back door with his Bible. We had the oil. We had the anointing oil. I had another man to sit at the front door with anointing oil and their, their Bible open. And then I had another man who was standing in the hallway there, and this was the plan. 
Because I knew we were dealing with a real devil. Don't underestimate him. He's after your family too, not just this family. You believe me, he's after your family. And so I had three men in there and we were going to read the scriptures and that's what they did. I gave each man scriptures on the blood, how Jesus defeated Satan, the power of the cross, the power of the resurrection. And the whole time I said, listen, I don't care what he does. I don't want you to touch him. I don't, you, I don't want you to restrain him. I just want you to sit in the chair and read the scriptures. That's all I want you to do. Because I knew that he could not let me tell you something. When the power of God is preached, the blood of Jesus is read, the demons go hysterical. There is absolutely nothing any more powerful in the universe than the blood of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he shed God's blood. And I said, listen, there's no doubt in my mind. And so I said, I want you to assign different men to go in at certain times. I said, because when he sees me, I'm going to go in last. When he sees me, all hell's going to break loose. And so I had one man at the front door. I had one man at the back door. I had another man in the middle. And we began to plead the blood of Jesus. And I walked in with my Bible. His dad went into the front room to get him out. And when he saw me, he went ballistic. And immediately... He tried to run. And I told these guys, I said, he's going to try to run out of the door or jump out of a window. I said, this is not going to go well. I said, but this family cannot sleep. This family doesn't have peace. This family's disrupted. He's talking to devils during the day. He's writing their names on the ceiling. It was the most unbelievable thing that I had ever experienced in my life in this, in this line. And so when I walked in and he saw me, Immediately, exactly what I told those men, he tried to go out the back door. I had one of our men, one of our deacons sitting there, and uh, he gave up on that. And immediately, he ran to the front door. And I had another man sitting in the chair pleading the blood, and he couldn't get out of that door. So he ran back into his room. He got past the man that was in the middle. And the whole time, we were pleading the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the power of the cross, the power of the resurrection, and so I followed him into the room with my Bible. His mother and father at that time followed with me. And this boy went hysterically ballistic. He jumped in his bed and he pulled his covers over his head and he began to scream and holler, get out of here, get out of here, leave me alone. And by the way, this is not something that I'm telling you just to entertain you. I'm telling you this really happened. So you understand today that the devil is a real person. He began to scream. He began to holler, get out of here, leave me alone. And finally, I did ask the question. He had a chair at a little desk area there right beside his bed, and I got that chair, and I slid my chair close to him. And he had that sleeping bag over his head, and he was hollering and screaming. And I asked him, I said, who is your name? When I said that, instantly, it's like he froze. He pulled the sleeping bag off of his head. He said, there are three of us. And he began to list the names of these demons. And I opened my Bible. I had it marked to scriptures about the blood of Jesus. And I began to talk to him about the Lord. 
And he began to say, there are three of us and they're after my heart. They're after my heart. And I said, I know that. I said, by the way, Jesus is too. Do you know Jesus? He said, I don't want to talk about him. Don't talk about him. Don't mention him. I said, but he loves you. He died on the cross. Don't mention him. Leave me alone. I said, are you afraid of Jesus? I'm not afraid of Jesus. He actually said him. I'm not afraid of him. I said, well, I'm here today to help you. You need to be delivered from this. And I called his name. And I said, this is what I want to ask you to do. I said, can you just mention the name Jesus? He said, no, I'm not going to do it. I said, are you afraid to mention the name of Jesus? He said, I'm not going to do it. Don't talk about him. I said, do you know where he is? He pointed like this. I said, do you know where God is? He pointed like this. I said, can you say the name God? He wouldn't say it. I said, can you name the name of Jesus? He wouldn't do it. And so I just opened my Bible and I just began to whisper, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I must have said it 40, 50 times and this is what he did. He put his hands on his throat as if he was going, now his mother and father were standing right there. He put his hands on his throat and he began to lift his head almost as if he were trying to rip it off of his shoulders and he went like this. He was trying to say, Jesus, he couldn't do it. And I said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the victor on the cross, the victor over the grave, I command you in Jesus' name to leave this boy. I command you in the name of Jesus that this boy be set free. He calmed down and he said, would you please go? In a very calm voice, I said, yes, I will. I said, I'm going to pray with you before I go. And I had prayer with him. I left. And when we got back in the van, all of the men and myself, for a moment, we were numb. None of us said anything for a few seconds. And the question was then asked, what do you think happened, preacher? What do you think happened? And I said, I did not have a confrontation with the demon itself. When I commanded that demon to come out of that boy in the name of Jesus, there was no outward manifestation of it. The boy just calmed down and said, would you go? I prayed with him. One of the men that was with me talked to his sister the next day and his sister said this. When I walked into the house, she said, for the first time in a long time, there was such a calm feeling. There was such a sense of peace. There was a sense of comfort. She said, we haven't felt that in a long time. And when that deacon passed that information on to me, I said, well, you know, I don't know exactly what God did in that moment, but something happened. I want to tell you that this past week, that mother called me and said, Pastor, something amazing has happened. My son has said he was so tired of the demons affecting him. He was so tired of the demons coming to him. 
She said, right now, he's wanting to pray. He needs help. Can you come? I texted her and I said, I'm coming right now. And let me tell you this. God had all that work done. Mondays, I take Mondays off most of the time. But on last Monday, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to the office to work on a sermon. It was just out of the unusual. God was compelling me to go to the office. And I did. And within moments that I got there, she was asking me, can you come? Can we work this out? I said, I'll be right there. When I got there, the son came out to greet me. He sat in a chair on the kitchen table. I was sitting here and he sat across from me. I put my Bible right in front of him. And I will tell you this, that was another issue. His mother had a Bible in the back of her van laying on the floorboard and she had a blanket over it. And she was transporting him to a certain place and when he got in the car, he immediately went hysterical and began to scream, get it out of here, get it out of here, get it out of here, get it away from me. He did not know that there was a Bible in the floorboard under that blanket. But the spirit, the evil spirit that was talking through him knew, and it terrified him, and I knew that. And so when I got into the house, first thing I did was slide my Bible close to him, and I opened it up to this text right here that we're talking about right now. And he sat there with a smile on his face. His mother was sitting here. His father was sitting here. I was sitting here. And I asked him this question. I said, do you want to be free from this? Do you want a different life? Do you want Jesus in your heart? He said to me, yes, yes, yes. I opened the scriptures and I read just what I read here a moment ago, how Jesus set this young boy free. I shared the gospel of Luke, how that Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And how that Jesus defeated Satan on the cross, how he defeated Satan in the resurrection. And then the young man said, I want to be set free. And so I said, if you're honest and true with that, would you pray this prayer with me? He said, yes, sir. And I began to pray the sinner's prayer. But before I got to those specifics in my prayer, and I asked him to repeat every word after me. And I said, I believe. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ defeated Satan in the wilderness. Defeated Satan in the wilderness. That he defeated Satan on the cross. That he defeated Satan on the cross that he defeated Satan in the resurrection. He defeated Satan in the resurrection. And I prayed the sinner's prayer, and I said, repeat after me. I'm asking you, Jesus, I'm asking you, Jesus, to cover me, to cover me with your precious blood, with your precious blood, to set me free, to set me free. I'm asking you, Jesus, I'm asking you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to be my personal Savior. And at the kitchen table of this family, this young boy who was tormented by demons gave his heart to Christ. I closed my Bible. I had prayer with the family. And before I told this story, I asked the mother 
of this son, would it be all right for me to share this illustration? She said, absolutely. Some of you know who I'm talking about. And you've been praying for this family who has been devastated by a real devil. I don't have time to finish my message today. The points on the message is this. In order for you to have faith more than a grain of a mustard seed in your life right now, listen, you have to believe God to be who he says he is. And you have to believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. And finally, you have to believe that what God and Jesus said they would do, they will do. So this morning, I want you to understand this, that every one of us, we're, we're in a spiritual warfare here. When we talk about the devil, we're not just talking about some make-believe character. We talk about God. We're not talking about some good magic genie up beyond the clouds. Listen, we're talking about God is real. Jesus is real. The devil is real. You are real. You have a real home. You have a real family. And the devil's after all of that. The way you fortify your family is you've got to put on the whole arm of God. Not just some of it, but you've got to put all of it on. Taking up the shield of faith. Listen, faith is so important in our life. The word of God says this about faith in Hebrews chapter 11, 1. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I want you to understand something. In this verse, Hebrews 11, 1, substance, substance is something. Evidence means that it's proof. Faith is the substance of things. Faith is the things hoped for, the proof of things not seen. So you believe in God. You have to trust him even though you haven't seen him. You haven't talked to him with your physical mouth, your physical tongue. But you believe by faith he is the God of this book and you believe by faith that he's there. So uh, also, now, the scripture says this in Hebrews 10, 38. If they get that scripture in there, listen, the just shall live by faith. The just shall. You, you can't, might get through without it. Listen, Jesus said in John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. But the just shall live by faith. And then the word says this in Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So faith is vital in our life. You have to have faith. Now, if you're facing a critical thing in your, in your home, in your marriage, with your children, with, with anybody in your family, you're going through a crisis on your job, there's something that's turned your world upside down, maybe not quite as devastating as what I just shared with you that this family went through. This was a real family going through things with a real devil. But maybe your situation is not exactly like that, but it's brought you to a place of tears and, you, and you're distraught. Listen, try praying. Try fasting. Try fasting. Turn it over to God and see what God will do. Here's the thing, and I want our musicians to come forward. When you have prayed and you have fasted and God has not moved in the manner and the fashion that you want him to do, something else took place, always remember this. When God says no, if it's from God. No is just as powerful as when God says yes. 
Because I tell you what, he can see what you cannot see. He's omniscient. That means he knows everything. So when you pray and pray and pray and God does something else and you step back and say, but I, I prayed, God, I can't believe this. And, and, and I, I trusted you and I don't know why things turned out a different way. Listen, that doesn't mean that all is lost. God's still on the throne. God's still in charge. God's still in control. Hey, listen, he's got it all under his feet, the word says. And he knows enough about what's going to happen that when he does say no, we can accept that and say, God, you know a whole lot more than I do. You see what I cannot see. And by faith, I'm going to trust you that your no is just as good as if you had said yes. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.